the picture I had when I came up here. As you know, Natalie, if I would have, uh, you know, in college when I was first pursuing her, you know, what do you call somebody when they know everything about you? You know, they look on your Facebook profile. They know what classes you have. They know when you have them. <laughs> they know where to be, so they run into you. But if you never actually say anything, what are you? You're a stalker. I heard somebody whisper, you're a stalker. Let's see. And uh, see, there has to come a point where all of that information, all of that knowledge turns into action. Everybody say action. And you take a step and you say, hi, <laughs> my name's Richard. I don't know if you've seen me hanging around, <laughs> but I'd like to get to know you, you know. It didn't happen that way, but you know what I'm saying, right? Well, that's how we see God. It, you can, you know, you can know the word, you can know the sermons, you can preach just as well as anybody. But where the fruit is, where the, where the relationship is, where the change is, is in those times with him where you, you, you spend time, you go, you know, talk to him. When he walks through tough situations with you, that's, that's where the, the foundation is laid in your life for a lifetime of following God. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> the mountains you faced in the past look like foothills to you now, but you knew they felt like mountains at the time, right? And I can remember the mountains I faced in the past where I, there was times where I told God, I said, God, I, my emotions are so loud. I don't believe I can hear, you know, you got a decision you have to make. And it, if anybody had decisions like that, you, you can't just dilly-dally, you got to make a decision. There's something you've got today. Everybody say today. today. See, and, and you don't know what to do. You're doing your best to surrender. You're doing your best to, to yield I'm not saying you're perfect, but you're trying to, to follow God, right? And I hit those situations, and I said, God, I'm in a crossroads. I got two paths before me. I don't know which one. And I can remember telling God this. I said, look, either you tell me what to do, or I'm just going to choose. I'm just going to flip a coin. Use, use my intellect, whatever I got, I'll figure it out. But I, I, I would like to hear from you. But I don't have enough trust of what I'm, uh, I don't have enough trust what I'm hearing right now. And do you know he'll meet you in those times? Gee. He'll meet you in those times. This one particular situation, I won't go into the particulars of it, but I had a deadline. I had, t I had 10 minutes, you know, maybe 30 minutes, but I gave God 10 minutes. <laughs> and I said, look, I've been waiting, I've been listening my emotions are screaming so loud. It was 7.50 p.m. at my house. I says, you have somebody call me because I, I don't trust what I'm hearing right now. You have somebody call me in 10 minutes with the answer to this particular situation or I'm just going to figure it out. You know, he had somebody call me out of the blue. 7.59, got a phone call. And it, the, guy, the person who called me was not who I hoped would call me. <laughs> it was somebody else. It, somebody that I wouldn't have thought would have had the answer to this particular question. But I, they got to talking. I, said, I told them 
I happened to tell them my situation, you know. And they went through that exact same situation, had the wisdom for it. God had somebody call me to give me direction because I couldn't hear it. He will not leave you comfortless. He will not leave you an orphan. I don't care how big or small the decision is. To, to everybody, it's relative, right? Maybe, you know, maybe everybody else thinks it's not a big decision. Well, maybe to you it is. This, God will work with what you give him. He is looking for those times and those places to establish the foothold of his relationship in your life. And whenever I get, I have those moments where I don't know what to do. I have those moments where, uh, you know, his wisdom seems in short supply. <laughs> Sometimes it's probably because my flesh is the one asking the question. <laughs> but he, I have those moments I turn back to him. I says, I know God gave me wisdom for that. He'll give me wisdom for this. Now, sometimes it's the way we think about problems that frames it incorrectly, right? But he is there with us all the time. Everybody say all the time. And uh, I want you to know how close he is, how, how permanently close he is. And, and it doesn't matter how often you've pushed him away, you've pushed back that. He is, you know, the, the picture in the prodigal son, where he took half of the inheritance. Let's see if any of you have done this, this sort of thing. This is pretty bad. You know, Peter, Peter denied him three times. How many times have you denied him? Okay. God is always there waiting for you to turn. And it doesn't matter how often, it doesn't matter how often that you have pushed him back and said, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Sometimes I've pushed him back and didn't realize that was God. <laughs> and then I said, oh, that was God trying to change me. I thought that was the devil. <laughs> no. See, it doesn't matter how often you've pushed him back. Incidentally, the flesh doesn't like the voice of God. Anybody found that out? Flesh doesn't like the voice of God. Sometimes that flesh speaks a little louder to you. But you can turn. And, and the picture that Jesus paints is that prodigal son. He spent all of his inheritance. I mean, lived riotously. Everybody say riot. Let's, let's all say riotously. Okay, I mean, that's, this is bad. We're not going to go into particulars, okay? This is bad. He did everything you could think of. And he, he came to the place where he said, I could do better as a servant in his house. Not a son even, just a servant. And what did the father do? Now the father... How do I put this? The father wasn't out there chasing after him. All right? He wasn't micromanaging him. He was waiting for him. He was letting him make his choices. And maybe, okay, maybe you have family. Maybe you have people in your life that, that are making a turn in that area. Oh, anybody have family like that? <laughs> They're making a turn in that riotous area. Just let him uh, be obedient to what God tells him to do. But you don't have, they have the Holy Ghost pestering them too. All right. Now you be praying for them. If God tells you to say something, say something. But let them turn. Sometimes the best thing that can happen is they can hit bottom, go to jail, run out of money. That's, that's God. 
working in their life. It got to the point with the prodigal, it says, and no man, everybody say no man. No man gave to him. He ran out. He ran out of supply. His own strength was not sufficient and he had to turn back to the father. Thank God nobody gave to him. Kept him on going. Don't, don't enable. Don't be an enabler. But maybe some of you have family that you're waiting to turn back to God. It's okay to trust God with them and not always be hounding them. Let them run their course. God will bring them around. Keep praying for them. You care about them? Pray for them. Don't argue with them. Pray for them. And God will turn them. We've seen it happen. Maybe it takes 10 or 20 years. Okay? God will turn them. You trust God with them. Doesn't have to, but that's up to them too. But no matter what your situation is, how often you push God at bay and say, I'm not going to yield or surrender this. We, we all have areas of our heart like that, you know. The moment you turn and surrender to him, he comes in like a flood and wants to change those things and restore those things. And he's like, oh, I've just been waiting for you to let me do this in your life. Amen? All right. Well, you can be turning to, let's go to 1 Peter. Chapter First Peter chapter two. Now, unless the Lord redirects me, there's some things that I, I believe we're going to start talking about in the following weeks. Okay, uh, and uh, I'll, I'll just kind of preface it with this. I don't know how deep we'll get into it, but today we're going to be talking about spiritual maturity, spiritual growth. And to the end that we end up talking about gifts and callings in the body of Christ, okay? Pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, prophets. What are they? What do they do? Why do they exist? Which one am I called to, if any of those? There's others outside of those five, okay? Those five handle the word, okay? But those things, those are not the all-encompassing of the body in Christ. So we're going to start today with talking about spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. But I believe in the weeks to follow, and we might break into some of it, we'll talk about each one of these offices. We'll talk about how do you find out what you are, because every single one of you that's sitting here, if you're part of the body of Christ, you are called by God, Okay. Uh, you know, the, it's okay to, to kind of pull people aside out of a group and say, oh, God's got a call on you, you know. But the truth of the matter is God's got a call on anybody. Everybody that's in the family of God is called, all right. And the only difference between uh, position or uh, 
you know, delegated stewardship or authority in the body is yieldedness. So there is none better than any other. No one you see on TV is more spiritual than you are because you've been born again and you have that same spirit abiding in you. You all have the Holy Ghost. Say the Holy Ghost. You all have that same Holy Spirit abiding in you all the time. And he's open to talk whenever you'd like. <laughs> this is what I, okay, I, this, maybe this is for the youth. You, be as periodic with the Holy Ghost as you are with Facebook, as you are with Instagram. Imagine, you know, mo some of the youth, you, you, don't, you don't even go an hour without checking statuses and stuff like that. Checking, what if you did that with the Holy Ghost? Well, you'd be hearing good. You'd be sensitive to his heart. You'd be getting words. You'd be hearing gifts. You would be, you would be pulling on the Holy Ghost. He'd be pulling on you. Imagine if you had that kind of relationship you do with your device that you have with the Holy Ghost. He's always there. He's never disconnected. Always there. <laughs> but the end goal of maturity, the end goal of growth is to serve right? In the kingdom of God, the way up is the way down. So if you're going to, you know, Jesus gave that parable to the 12 disciples. He says, you know how um, the, uh, the Greeks, those that have prominence are the kings and they, they rule over with great authority and they make them subject to themselves and you can do whatever you want. Your word is law. He says, it's not like that in the kingdom of God. He says, if you're going to be great in the kingdom, you're going to be a servant, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're at the whim of everybody, but you're yielded to your father to do what he says. So greatness in the kingdom of God is not about authority to do what you want. It's about authority to do what he wants. And that's serving others. And Jesus was the greatest example of that. He made himself a servant to everyone by going to the cross. <clears throat> so greatness in the kingdom of God and growth in the kingdom of God ultimately comes through yieldedness. Everybody say yieldedness. When you come to a place where you're progressively surrendering your will. And I don't, I believe that there are huge tipping points, huge uh, maybe convergences in your life where God works something where a lot of your will gets tipped in favor of following God. One of those points is when you get born again, right? When you get born again, you, you've made Jesus Lord of your life. Now, maybe you don't know all of what that means, but you, you know enough that you need salvation, right? But that, there is a progressive walk of yielding your will, yielding your will. And if anybody's gonna be an example of this, Jesus had to do it in the garden, remember that? And he had to pray that three times, not my will, but your will be done. I mean, he's sweating blood, nobody's hitting him. Why, what's the strain? His will or, hit or God's will. Because he knows what's coming. Anybody that's seen the passion of the Christ, he knew that was coming. He chose it anyway, you know. He says, I could call for tw 12 legions of angels, come get me out of here. He chose it anyway. So that's, that's a continual fight, and that's a continual, but why he marveled at that centurion's faith, what he, the centurion didn't say, I'm a man of authority. He said, I'm a man under authority. In order to be of authority in the body of Christ, you must be under authority. And so, ministers of the gospel, <laughs> ministers of the gospel fall in that category. Okay, pastors, teachers, 
apostles. Okay, we'll get into some of the differences of those, what they do and why they exist. Um, but, uh, but they are made servants. They are made yielded. They're not, they're not to lord over, okay? And uh, some of the abuse that you see is just awful with pastors and with apostles and prophets uh, that, that don't have a servant's heart. Um, pastors that believe they have the authority to tell you when to buy or sell your home. That exists. Uh, pastors that believe they have the authority to tell you, you know, how, I don't know who did your wedding, I'm going to have to do it over. That exists. That's, that's the kind of abuse of authority that's in there in the church because they think that they're lording over the sheep. They're not serving the sheep. Apostles and prophets that believe that they're, you know, Paul said we've been set last as a gazing stock to the world. Well, these, some of these apostles you can find, they want to be a gazing stock, but for the opposite reason, right? They, they dress themselves up. They'll, I watched this one guy. He came rolling up to his meeting. Now, I'm not against provision. You know what I believe about God's prosperity. Handled correctly, not for the flesh, all right? And we don't, we don't follow after it. We follow after God. He's, he is our provision. But this guy came up full of himself. Looked, he had one of those, you know, I don't know, a couple thousand dollar suits rolled up in a Land Rover, <laughs> come out on a red carpet. Oh, he... And it means slow motion video and everything in this possible. I'm watching this and I'm thinking, who does this guy think he is? And, uh, you know, I've, I've watched enough of this guy's. I love, to, you can ask Nat, I love to. I just find them curious, you know, because <laughs> they think there's something they're not. And Paul said it this way. He says, what, what did you get that you didn't receive from somebody? Trace everything back you know. Trace everything back you have. You were given it. Everybody say given. And if you've been given, why are you going to glory about it? And so these, these apostles think they're something they're not. They're not serving, they're being served. They're, they're, they, you know, it's the Pharisees all over again. They pray in public to be seen of men. They have their reward. You pray in private. Anyway, so we don't want to be like that, Amen. <laughs> And uh, many, many good ministers, especially those that got a taste of the power of God, got a taste of miracles, got a taste of signs and wonders, they, they kept their flesh in check for a period of time, but when God started to anoint their ministry with power, the devil comes in and looks for anything he can get a hold of. And there might have been a period of time where they were surrendered to the will of God, but over time, everybody say over time. Over time, see, it's not just about making yourself surrendered. It's about staying surrendered. And some of these ministers that had tremendous power working in their ministries, tremendous healings, over time, if you don't stay on that cross, you don't stay surrendered to the authority, the devil has something to work, bring discredit. And see, why is it? Why is it? Tent evangelists now, when you think of a, a, a TV preacher, why is it that you think a scandal? That's the first thought that comes to head, your, your mind. When you think of tent preachers, TV preachers. There used to be a time where they were greatly honored 
and revered. And there would be masses of people. When they came to town, everybody came with them. You know, the healings that happened in those, uh, in the, you know, like the Oral Roberts, um, Jack Coe, A.A. Allen, some, you know, Branham. There was tremendous power in the body of Christ. But the devil came in and looked for ways to bring discredit to the body. And now you, you, you can't set up a tent. You know, that's, there, there's a stigma about that because the enemy was able to discredit that. But I believe that the Lord wants to reestablish a purity and a, uh, a truthfulness with no hypocrisy that when you stand up, who you make yourself to be in the pulpit is who you are at home in private. That there is no double standard. There's no, there's no veil of anonymity that who I am up here is not who I am at home. That you, you are who God made you everywhere. That's the way Jesus walked and that's the way he calls us to walk. He said, be holy for I am holy. Right. Everybody say growth. All right. So that's what we're talking about today. And uh, everybody in First Peter, chapter two. If you're on, if you're not, you can look on with your neighbor. <laughs> we'll start here in verse one. Mm. Yeah. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. Everybody say grow. Let's all say it again. Let's say grow. That you may grow thereby. If so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. <clears throat> See? The growth process in a Christian starts with the word. Everybody say the word. See, in the word of God, Jesus said to the enemy when he was tempted, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that's, that's very, I love how he said that. I mean, if I didn't, that's my problem, right? But, but, but he said every word, not just the word that you like, he said every word. All of the word that has come through is good for you, all right? Now, you know, milk is supposed to be pre-digested food. Milk is supposed to be stuff that's broken down so that a child can easily receive it, right? So if you were to take milk and you were to, you know, let's talk about skim milk, okay? I know we're not cows, but we're just going to talk about like <laughs> we're all cows, okay? So if you take milk that comes from a cow, anybody ever, now I was not raised on skim milk. I can't drink that because when I drink it, I'm thinking there's nothing in this. It's just water. I can't drink skim milk. See, there's not the fat. <laughs> there's not the taste. And see, now Natalie was raised on whole milk. So she comes up here, my 2%, she don't like that. So now we're drinking, we drink whole milk, okay? Now, I'm not going to get into whether or not we should be drinking cow's milk or not. That's not what I'm talking about. That's somebody, I don't, I don't personally care, but, but whatever, you know. 
antibiotics and all that, I'm sure it's great for you. <laughs> I have no idea. But, but the point is, milk in its pure form, what it's designed to do, it's supposed to give nutrients to the body. It's supposed to be something easy to digest that's good. And, and so when you take all the fat out of it, when you take all of the nutrients out of it, and you have something lesser, it's not going to supply the same needs. It's not going to meet the needs that your body has. Okay. Uh, there's, I think, I could be wrong, but, but you know, they, they got into doing formula for a, lot, for a number of years in, in earlier decades. And, and now there's been this resurgence in going back to, to just breastfeeding because formula is not the same as, as what a mother can give her child. The formula, is, it causes all kinds of extra difficulties. Now, if you were raised on formula, I think I was raised maybe on formula. I really don't know. But I'm just saying that you cannot substitute for the word of God in your growth. You can't, okay? And if, you're, if the word that you're receiving is a skimmed down or a dulled down or a dumbed down version of the gospel, it's going to produce incorrect fruit in your life. It's going to produce wrong thinking, wrong habits, wrong doctrine. It's going to grow you up in a weird way that God didn't intend you to grow. Okay? There's doctrines in the church. Now, we all know this. The doctrines that are being fed from the pulpit feed the sheep. That's the charge of the pastors to feed the sheep. If the doctrines coming from the church, if the word coming from the church is skim milk that it's been skimmed of all of the stuff that God wants you to have, you're not going to grow thereby, all right? You're not going to be able to have a certainty with God. All right, one of the doctrines, well, I, I'm just going to cherry pick one. Hmm, what should we do? Okay. Yeah. Here's, this is the one I like to go with, okay? It's, it's good because it's in the Word. I'm just going to quote it. I'm just going to quote it. It's in the New Testament. I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love them. Stop. That is skim milk, if that's all you hear. Well, it's a verse in the Bible. Yes, it is, and it's not the only verse in the Bible, it's not every word. They, they'll, take, they'll quote that from Paul like he's saying that. He's quoting the Old Testament for why they couldn't recognize that Jesus was the Christ. Did you know that? <laughs> and here they quote it like it's us. Now see, if you were to receive that as doctrine from the church, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither's entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love us. What is the impression? What, when you feed on that, and that's all you feed on, is just that little snippet of an image of a chapter of a book. When you just feed on that message, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. If that's what you hear from the pulpit, do you have any hope of knowing what God's will is for your life? Because it paints an image that you cannot hear and you cannot see what God has planned for you. Right after that verse, Paul says, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. That's a whole 180. That's a 180 switch. Do you see how skim milk robs the body? 
of following God correctly. Because it paints an image. And if you're not being given the word in truth from a sound source, or if you're not feeding on the word yourself and getting a steady diet of it, reading it, praying in the spirit, a good church is going to tell you to read the word. It's going to tell you to pray in the spirit. It's going to tell you what they don't understand. Okay? They're going to tell you those things. A church... Uh, should be giving the unadulterated word of God. Desire the sincere, everybody say sincere. Milk of the word that you may grow thereby. See, it's only by rightly dividing the word and receiving it as the truth, the the way it's painted. Um, I'm just going to do another one for example's sake, okay? There is a move in the church. Um... And I'm not going to go into the particulars about it. Uh, but they believe that Paul was, you know, kind of separate from the rest of the body of Christ. They believe that his writings were elevated above for a different reason. That it's a separate gospel. Paul has preached a separate gospel than Jesus. So through this one doctrine, one doctrine, because they don't, they, they don't see it all as one body. Do you know that we're all one body now? Jews and Gentiles. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, male nor female. We're all one in Christ. There is one body. There is one shepherd. Everybody say one. There isn't two bodies. There isn't two gospels. But there is a, there is a growing movement in the church. They take a couple of things that Paul said. They overbalance them with everything else he said. And they pull a different picture. You know, there's enough written in the Bible to make whatever you want if you omit other things, okay? So they'll say, well, Paul is, is, is the apostle to us. We don't have to. And what the devil has done with this one doctrine is effectively cut out the words of Christ. This particular group of people don't really believe that the gospels are for us or that, you know, like First John, those things are not for us. Those are for the Jews, isn't that, isn't that sad? That that, that that one doctrine has omitted so much of the New Testament from, from authority in their life. And only authority they give it is Paul, what Paul said. That's a real thing that's going on. So we, don't, we want the sincere, true milk of the word. Everybody see how that's important? Amen. <clears throat> Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll start here in verse 1, Ephesians 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Now, I'm just going to reestablish this just for thoroughness sake. All right. What Jesus did in your life was his work. We are called unto good works. Our good works don't make us. 
all right? So when we receive Christ, he has made us his sons and daughters. He was made to be sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. We are made that from the get-go. In the same way that the picture I see in the Old Testament, you know, when, when, uh, when you see life being breathed into Adam, Adam was created without sin, innocence. And when you're born again, you are created without sin. You have with you the memory and the experience of the old man. But at your core, in your spirit, you are made righteous. You're made holy. You, can, you could not have done that for yourself. That was what Jesus did for you. And you're created unto good works. Now, how do we go about possessing the land in this covenant? In the Old Testament, they had to fight all of those strongholds in the land. The strongholds, we don't fight with flesh and blood, right? But we fight with the spirit. We fight against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Strongholds, thinking, okay, transform the inside. So the things that we fight with are not exterior things. They're interior things and they're spiritual things. And the first battle that we're born into, we're born into the battle with yielding our will and serving God where we hadn't had a parent before. We were unruly, you know. We were children of the world. We were children of wrath. And so we have to put those things to death because we were born into that. Now here, I therefore, and, and Paul, the first three chapters are all about what God did, all right? And how much he loves you and how good you are and how all of the, the everything that you've been made an heir and, and the, how, you know, he just, he'll love on you for a couple chapters and then he'll switch it and he'll say, now this is what we do, <laughs> Okay, and you look, that's the pattern he does in a lot of his epistles, okay? He'll love on you for a little bit. He'll tell you everything God thinks about you, who you've been made to be. And then he says, now let's do this. And you get, you're not doing this correct. And you're not doing this correct. And you're not doing this correct. <laughs> All right. Now, verse four is this, the door. In this, that's where the door swings in this book, okay? <clears throat> I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called. Now, did you call yourself? No, God called you. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, there is one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Now here, verse seven. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So what he's saying in that one verse right there, in the same way that Jesus was called of God, now you have that life on the inside of you in that same measure, and you have received a call from God. In the same way that there was a grace upon Jesus' life to do what God's will was, now that measure of life has been given to you and you're called to do what God has called you to do. Not of your own will, but of his will. But unto every one of us, everyone, let's all say that together, everyone. That means me. I'm sorry, I didn't make that clear. Let's say that together. That means me. See, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you work. In the flesh, you got a nice car, good car. God doesn't look at that. God looks at who he made on the inside of you. 
And you, you let your bank account, you let your situation, you let your job limit how you see yourself. You need to read the word because you can be serving tables and be full of wisdom. That's what, that's the way Stephen was. Okay. Now, I therefore, the, okay, I've read that. Uh, verse six, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. In verse 11 here, he says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And here's for the purpose right here, verse 12. For the perfecting, okay? Now that perfecting is not, um, that's King James a little bit. That's maturing, maturing. Everybody say maturing. For the maturing, perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now edifying, it's like edifice. It's building up. There is a found, and we won't get to this today, but the foundation that was laid was Jesus Christ and there is no other foundation that's going to be laid. All right? That he is the chief, technically he's the chief cornerstone and that foundation was laid by the apostles and prophets in that first church. Okay? That is the foundation, but the ministers or the ministry, these five, okay, they were given to mature the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ, okay? I like to think of it as this way. They are supposed to be the mothers and fathers to the church family. Now, I think that it's my understanding that no matter what your office is, whether you're a prophet, evangelist, teacher, okay, uh, uh, apostle, you're all supposed to be in a church, okay? No one is exempt from being part of a church family just because you're a minister, all right? But, but they're all given for the work of the ministry, <clears throat> for the edifying of the body of Christ, the building up. So that foundation that was laid, we're built, you and I are those lively stones that are built on that foundation, that there is a ministry, there is a calling that each and every one of us have that's supposed to spring forward. And the way I see it is that we're called as ministers, or if you're called to be a minister, you're like a surrogate parent that delivers the milk, the pre-digested word of God to the body until they come to a place where they're standing on their own and they walk with God. Now that doesn't mean that you're never part of a church. That just means that's for the maturing, right? That's what they were given for, for the maturing. So a good church is supposed to, they're supposed to eventually phase themselves out of people's life and walk somewhat. I don't mean that we're not to gather together as a church, but in the role of leadership, in the role of direction, that's supposed to come from the Holy Ghost. And, and so there is a graduation, so to speak, that when a new uh, crop of people come in, when a new group of 
children of the world that get saved, they don't know the word, they're supposed to be tended to again and again, and they're supposed to be a maturing, and they're supposed to be a growing up so that those people that have been in church, they're able to receive from God on a more direct basis. Everybody see that? There is a graduation, a growth that once, you're not supposed to stay on milk your whole life, right? You're supposed to go to meat. See, the milk comes from the ministry that comes from the fivefold, but the meat comes from the Father. See, he's the one when you start to, <clears throat> how do I put that? Um, I, I just use it in my, my case, okay? I'm just gonna use me because I don't, uh, yeah. There was a period of time where I felt like I needed a word to do anything, <laughs> right? I needed somebody to tell me what to do. I just gave you a testimony about years past when I had that, right? So I needed some, a strong hand. I needed somebody I respected to kind of help me, tell me where to go, all right? And, and, I, and, I, and I believe I still have some of that with me today, but that, that the Lord uses people in my life to affirm, okay? But the Lord told me a couple months ago, he says, we're going to get, we're very close and we're at the point now where I want to be able to tell you things that I don't have to have somebody affirm it to you. I don't want to have to have somebody come up and tell you this is what I said. I want you to have confidence that you're hearing me, right? And, and, uh, and he wants that for every believer. Do you know that? He wants that kind of confidence in your walk that you, when you hear him, you don't need to go run five, ask five people, did I hear God okay on this? You know? Did I hear God okay? What do you think? What do you think? Natalie knows. I come back. I say, what do you think? What do you think? <laughs> that just means you don't know, and that's fine. <laughs> but, but the Holy Ghost wants to be that father figure for you. And, and the church is a surrogate parent that's supposed to, they're supposed to be undivided in their word. They're supposed to divide it correctly, give you all the nutrients, not, not omit things because they're, politically, culturally incorrect because they're hot potatoes, okay? If you come at, that's the challenge. Well, anyway, we don't have to go into that today. But do you see, do you see that transition process from going from someone that goes from milk to meat? Does everybody see that? They, come, they have a certain amount of, they need to have everything broken down and they need the leadership or the surrogate pastoring of the fivefold, but there is a perfecting and a maturing that takes place where you're no longer served, but you're serving, all right? You're no longer always needing leadership from the outside, the leadership's coming on the inside. And that's where God is bringing each and every one of us, okay? And that doesn't mean that you're you know, exempt from coming to church once you get to that point. <laughs> we'll get to that in later messages, all right? But the, the picture in the word of God is even though you have been born again, there is a growth process. And that growth process, the end result of it is ultimately service. Service in the body. What's your place? And we'll get more into that next week. Amen? All right. <clears throat> I don't believe there's anything else. Let's pray and close. Father, I thank you so much that you have made us your sons and daughters. I thank you for your word that is truth.
Father, we just lift up this Sunday and the Sundays to follow, and we thank you for your hand to be on them, that you would coordinate them in a way that would minister to every single person here, that the truth that you want to get across is ministered in such a way that it helps every person adjust and make corrections and know how to better follow you into whatever they're called to do, whatever one of the gifts and callings that you've given us. Father, we thank you that you grow us up into it and you complete the work that you started. And we're going we're gonna to let you in Jesus' name. Amen.